Welcome to Restitch America, a podcast about restoring civility, strengthening patriotism, and rebuilding unity in America. My name is Almohine Opari. As an immigrant for nearly two decades and a new American citizen, I created this show to help heal our national conversation, to rekindle our pride in our country, and to rebuild our sense of patriotism through optimism, civility, and willful positivity. Now sit, relax, and let's restitch America. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Restitch America. My name is Almohini Opari, and I'm very excited to be here today. This is episode number nine of season two of Restitch America. And today I have um, another guest with you that I think you will love a lot. And I think the perspective he brings to the conversation of you know where America stands today and, and some of the things that Americans take for granted, I think would be very interesting. He's originally from Italy, and but I'm going to have him share a little more about his background. But before we do that, um, please don't forget to like, follow, subscribe. Please support our podcasts on any platform that you love so that we can keep bringing content like this to you. My goal, as I've always said, is to facilitate civil discussion about some of the things that are important in our country and to create a space where we can share ideas and so on. So if you've been enjoying this podcast, please help us by uh, sharing it with other people and following us on social media. So we are going to get into our discussion today and our guests today, his name is Amedeo. Amedeo? Is that how to say oh, it? Perfect. You said it. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Exactly. Nailed it. Amedeo. So Amedeo is here, and I'm I'm gonna start by asking him to introduce himself a little bit, give us a sense of your background. And in that discussion, I would like you to share like what brought you to America and, and what you're doing right now. Ciao everybody. Amedeo here. <laughs> also known as Yashi on uh, most of the social media. I am uh, a little bit of everything. As per now, I'm an, I'm an Italian entrepreneur. I'm 28 years old. I moved here at the age of 23, I believe. It was, yeah, six years ago. And um, from Italy, I did my studies back in Italian economics. Uh, I started working in an industry that I thought I loved, which was automotive, and up working for brands like Lamborghini. And while I was doing that, uh, I got part-time into the whole real estate investing. I started loving it. And at one point, I made a switch to real estate. That's what I do right now. And when I did that switch, I started posting my whole, let's say, daily story of what I was doing. People started loving it. And then I added my cultural opinion about being in America as an Italian. People loved it even more. And I also started to make videos in Italian to open the eyes uh, to Italians on how cool America is from many perspectives, or also the goods and the bads of it. And here I am now. I mean, uh, the portfolio is growing, we're going. Um, I'm teaching Italians uh, about finance uh, and the, Euro- the American perspective, which is going well, and the accounts are growing as per now. Haven't been canceled yet, so it's good. <laughs> that's that's a general It's always a possibility nowadays, you know? <laughs> I, I'm frightened by it. Exactly. Yeah. I I recently saw a video where one of these great creators um, with close to a million followers just lost their account. And one of the things that um, I think is in danger 
in America, this idea that the things you say can be used to basically uh, take away your ability to communicate with the world. And what people don't realize is that, you know, back in the day when we talked about freedom of speech, usually it was the ability to speak face to face to somebody or speak in a certain location. But now everything is online. So when your social media account is taken away, it is literally infringing upon your ability to reach the world and speak to other people. So it's it's very interesting how um, that has become a thing recently. So tell us a little bit about what brought you to America. What was the allure or, you know, what was first your perspective in Italy about America and then how that catapulted into bringing you here? Okay, so America was like... Um was more of a random thing that happened. How can I explain it? Because when I was in Italy, we traveled always around the world. I lived in Germany. I lived in Italy. I lived in China. I lived a few months in uh, in Australia. My father was traveling. And um, when I was in Italy before coming to America, we thought we would be there forever. And then came the, let's say, option for my father of moving to America because of his job. I knew that I would never stay in Italy no matter what, uh, because I spoke German. So the sec- the best option for me at that time, if America wasn't, let's say, in my head, uh, would have been Germany. Because of all the economies in uh, Europe, Germany is definitely the more meritocratic one with less bureaucracy, better incomes uh, and more possibilities. Then came the idea of America. My parents moved here while I was in college with my sister and uh, my brother. So I said, you know what? Let me try this. I wasn't actually excited about America. Uh, I've been there a few times uh, as a a tourist. I never understood why people come to America for tourism, because I believe there's far better places uh, to visit as a tourist. (laughs) Um, So my first year wasn't the best one. However, the first year was amazing to learn about the culture here, because I was working in a dealership selling cars. And I was selling Jeeps. Jeeps can be the first car of the farmer. It can be the fifth car of the millionaire. So gave me a good idea of how Americans work, what their finances are, what they do, and most of all, their mindset. That's what really got me. Because I come from a place where the entrepreneur is hated upon, the entrepreneur is the devil, the money is the devil, and this is why Italy is completely stagnant everywhere. Because nobody wants to take the risk, the leap of faith, and if they do, they're being dragged down by society. And then you come here and everybody is motivated as hell. Everybody has a dream. Whether they make it or not, they die with it. Um, It it is a very empowering country. Uh, Many Italians ask me, if you made it, like, you're very well off. Why are you not coming back to Italy? Because this is the only place where I can actually feel fulfilled. I like to go back to Italy for vacation, but this is the only place where I can feel fulfilled. So... Bad beginning. I didn't like it. I missed my lifestyle. I missed my coffee. I missed my aperitivo, Aperol spritz uh, at 5 p.m. <laughs> but after a while, I got used to it. And then I started liking it. I started appreciating it. Uh, thank what you about so you? Much. I mean, <laughs> thank you so you, much you for hearing that. Yeah. yeah you, you moved here 20 years ago. How old were you? I was 19 when I moved to America. Okay. Yeah. From? I forgot. So I moved from Ghana. Uh, Ghana is my homeland. So I moved from Ghana. I came here at 19. Um, I came here 
and my audience has heard the story a few times, but I came here um, as a missionary. <laughs> so okay. I was a Christian missionary and I spent the first two years in Los Angeles going door to door, sharing, you know, message around, about Christianity with people. And, and that was that experience for me, just like your car sales experience, brought me to the homes and doorsteps of Americans from all walks of life. I was in rich neighborhoods. I was in poor neighborhoods. I met very wealthy people. I met very poor people. I saw people from every facet of life, from every spectrum of life. And I learned a lot about America and American culture and the connection between your choices and your consequences and, and everything from those two years in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles also taught me the power of people who come from other places to America and turn their life around. While I was in Los Angeles, I met people from more than 50 different countries who are living no. and working in Los Angeles. And none of them ever gave me any sense to believe that the choice they made to come to America was a bad one, right? And so that showed me that this place is special. And I love the fact that you said the mindset is different. Everybody has a dream. And that dream is motivating. When you wake up in the morning and you think about what you want to accomplish, and the fact that you believe that it is possible here is something that is unique to America. Because growing up where I came from, when you started to think outside the box, people will immediately say, this is not America. You know, this is not America. Is you a, can't do that here. It is, it is the same America. to say, hey, America. <laughs> in a, exactly. In a ironical way. And I hate it. I hate <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. So thank you so much for sharing that. So now um, let's switch a little bit. So I want to know, now that you kind of have a little sense of America and what um, the mindset is, there seems to be also another growing mindset. There is this mindset that America has had its heyday, you know, all those great things are in the past, and now we are in what people call late-stage capitalism. And they believe that, you know, they don't have any hope, and the only hope for America is to tear down the system and embrace some kind of socialism or some kind of collectivist idea. And so the way that I met you was through your content where you were helping Americans understand the, the privilege that they have in having the kind of mindset and the kind of you know, economic system that we have here. So share a little bit about that sentiment that you've been seeing around um, going around in America today. So I worked two years in Lamborghini, okay? If there's one thing I saw in Lamborghini was a lot of new wealth, a lot of young people. Like I, I literally saw these customers, like I hear their stories. Yeah, yo, I was a section eight person. I was living in section eight housing, which is the government subsidized housing. And now I'm driving a Lambo. And they tell me their stories. They made it in five years, in 10 years. We're talking people in late twenties, early thirties. And uh, number one, that. Number two, uh, also the whole color thing. Like money does not see color. If you had to see the distribution of people buying these cars, they, it was no color. So 
Working at Lamborghini for me was the actual proof that um, even today, people believing late stage capitalism, stuff is still doable. The thing that is the hardest is the, um, the delayed gratification. Um, I believe that America still enables you to do many things. What is, sorry for my French, <laughs> is the whole Amazon thing. So we got used to having everything now. Click on a button, tomorrow I get a ship. Oh, damn, it, only, it takes two days, that's too much. When you're used to having everything now, and now you want to build something, uh, and building something can take even two years of hard work, and two years is short, but five to ten, people don't want to do it anymore. They get frustrated, and, uh, and then they blame it on the system. One thing that is happening here, I believe, is, um, and also in schools, uh, because what really got me was when I went to the graduation of my brother's uh, middle school, because he came here much earlier than I did. And I remember the teacher saying something super empowering, which is, guys, this is the future of America. And it was a graduation ceremony like university. It's like, yo, these are middle school people. Chill out. <laughs> they're, they're, they're nothing yet. And people were nuts. I loved it. Chad, they, in this country, they used to motivate you. They used to tell you that you can do anything as long as you do it. And you wouldn't blame it on any kind of system, any kind of issue and stuff. That is empowering. And now it's all about blaming something else, giving the responsibility of your life to a third party, which I believe is the most stupid mindset in the world, because that's where I come from. That's what people in Italy are. They destroy you. And this is why socialism makes sense. I, it make, like if you put yourself in that perspective, it's like, okay, the system is against me. Everybody hates me. Uh, there is a structural issue. Uh, you know what? The whole system, I want the government to give me everything. I understand it. Like I understand the mindset. It's not that I'm saying that's stupid. No, I understand the mindset. It depends on what you're being fed for 10 years. That's my opinion. So there is an issue happening. It makes my heart cry seeing that Americans uh, look at uh, these more socialist systems like Europe as a solution when Europe has been on a steady decline for the past 20 years. Even the stronger economies like Germany, I was talking earlier. Germany is the best off in terms of if you want to work there, but Germany is also on a decline. And I make videos in German too. They agree. They agree with that. So... It makes my heart cry because it is proven those systems don't work. And when they use systems like Scandinavia, Finland and stuff, I'm like, yeah, these guys are one of the most uniform societies in the world. If you do it in a diverse society like the United States, where you have people from literally the entire world, it's not feasible. It is not feasible. It is. And yeah, it, it, it's it, it's funny to me when I hear politicians use that. Oh, why can't we be like Norway or Denmark or and I'm like, look. If everybody in America was my family, like my family, maybe we would have a great country, right? But understanding the miracle of America, which is to bring people from all walks of life, from so many different cultures, and to create a system that allows anybody from anywhere to thrive, that is a miracle. That 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 is a miracle that has not been repeated anywhere else in the world at the level that America has achieved it. And I think that people like us have a unique opportunity to help the next generation of Americans truly understand the privilege that they have to be born in this country and to have that mindset. 
But I feel like it's almost like an uphill battle because these kids are going to school and they're being told certain things in school and being told that the system is unfair and being told that, you know, the only reason why socialism hasn't worked is because America meddled in somebody's business, right? You hear people say that about Cuba all the time. They're like, well, because of the embargo, you know, that's why, you know, Cuba didn't do so well or, or and so on and so forth. What they don't realize is that a very important and crucial ingredient to any kind of economic system is trusting the people with freedom to make their own choices, even when in some cases those choices may not be the best for them, right? When you trust people to make choices for themselves, and then all you do is create an environment where those choices can lead to something better, then, you know, a lot of people doing a lot of different things helps us grow something that would not have existed if you just started, you know, with some kind of central plan. And one thing that I keep telling people is, if you have some ideas about how to change the country, the way that I judge any idea is to ask the question, can you implement this idea without affecting my freedom? And if the answer is no, then I know it's not going to be a long-term successful idea. Because anytime you infringe on somebody's freedom, you will get people who will rebel against that. And if they rebel against that, then you have to do something about those people who are rebelling. And it always ends badly. We've seen that in in a lot of different places. Um, And so America has something unique. And I feel like we need to shout it out from the rooftop to help the next generation realize what they have that a lot of places don't have today. America is lacking one thing. Uh, I mean, the root of all this fault is also poverty, okay? Poverty, lower class, middle class. Uh, America lacks one thing, both in schools, but generally mindset uh, that I noticed. We got lucky because we came here at the in our 20s. I mean, you were 19. You came from uh, another country. I be- I don't know. I don't know your culture fully, but I believe that uh, personal finance uh, is pretty similar outside of the US. Uh, save some money. You never know what happens. Uh, and this kind of basic stuff. But what here is just pure consumerism. Uh, when I read the statistics of sixty uh, percent of Americans don't have a thousand dollars for emergency expense, uh, then it makes sense that people think a certain way. Um, they're not being taught, they're just being taught to consume, they use credit cards like it's uh, Monopoly money, and, uh, and then you wake up at the age of 30 with $50,000 in, in debt, uh, with nothing on your name, so you start taking different ways. I believe that um, if you teach that side, uh, many people start thinking differently in the next couple of, this, uh, of generations, because wealth is the root of uh, many issues um, in um, especially in America. Mm-hmm. Sucks to say it because you're giving the responsibility over money, but uh, it's true. Like we can say that money is a devil, but the economy plays a role in this, big role in this. I like the fact, um, I, I think you a few minutes ago made a point that I think is very interesting, which is the idea that um, we live in the Amazon economy where yeah. a lot of our young ones are growing up expecting that things will just happen overnight right? They're expecting that because I can push a button 
And in some cases, I can get something to be shipped to me on the same day that I push yep. the button, right? They they have this kind of um, imagination about reality that is not true. And a lot of people find it very difficult when they hit certain obstacles to realize, you know, how to persevere and keep going. And for someone like me, it took me 18 years to become an American citizen. And every single day, I had to wake up and tell myself, look forward, just put one foot ahead of the next. Just keep going. Just keep going. Don't give up. You know, I, I know people who came here and, and had it a little difficult and decided to go back right? Because they were like, you know, it's not happening for me here. And they just gave up and went back. But I said, you know, I'm going to be here. I'm going to pay my dues. And I know I wish the immigration system was much faster and better, but I'm going to put one foot ahead of the other every single day until I get to my destination. And I look back and I say, you know, right now I can look at myself and say, I have achieved the American dream. and yet. And yet, I still have the desire to keep moving forward. Because one thing that I think is special about America, it's not just about achieving something for yourself. It's this feeling that once I get there, I want to share that with everybody else as much as I can. I want to share my knowledge. I want to share my enterprise. I want to share you know, the, 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 the nuggets of information that I've learned with other people. And that's exactly what you are doing. You are going out and helping Americans understand that someone from somewhere else can come here and within a few years, create enough wealth for them to be in a position to teach Americans who have been born here, right? Americans who have been born here to teach them how to take advantage of the system that they take for granted. They don't take it for granted. They don't know it. <laughs> I like that. They, I like that little they don't, know, they, they don't know their system. There are certain rules in the society that uh, they, they don't teach. Uh, I'm not even talking about finance. I'm talking about taxes. I'm talking about rights. I'm talking about stuff that Americans are not being taught. They're not aware. And because they're being numbed by mostly social media, uh, if you look at the average watch time on these phones it's it's nuts and ours is too because we produce content so don't deny it <laughs> uh, but uh, rather than spending that time learning something about where they live uh, they rather just consume their time on endless shit and uh, the more I read the American system I even uh, I read the constitution multiple times okay <laughs> There's one thing that I have to teach to Italians that, that they don't understand. It's like, yeah, because you have the guns and stuff. It's like, read the Second Amendment. I believe it's beautiful. I know. <laughs> it's uh, somebody centuries ago thought that uh, people are tyrannical and they need to be double checked by another entity, which is a serious. I believe it's genius. This guy's a genius. Yep. This guy's a genius. Say whatever you want, but I believe it's beautiful. Like you learn things about how this world was created, the systems that were added, and I think it's beautiful. I mean, I read the tax code because I do accounting myself and stuff, and I like it. And it's like, yo, if everybody knew this, everybody would have an extra three grand 
spend a year in their pocket without uh, doing absolutely nothing. It's okay. Down payment, pay that with that. I don't know. Like there's plenty of stuff. If people will be curious, uh, um, they will be much better off. That is that is so true. So it seems like we've transformed our country into an, and I think you brought this word up earlier. We outsource everything, right? We we give our the choices that we need to make we're given to third parties to make them for us and those third parties are benefiting of course economically and and they're giving us convenience but in exchange for that convenience we are making other people wealthy in some cases and we are sitting here kind of whining about opportunities for ourselves and so i love the fact that you brought education as an important part of the american dream i think um sometimes what people don't realize is they expect that if we claim America is the greatest country on earth, then I should just have stuff, right? They don't realize that America is the greatest country for opportunity in the world, which means that you have to hold on to that opportunity and use the knowledge that you gather, the knowledge that you, you have, the knowledge that you, you are able to kind of discover to leverage that opportunity to make something of yourself, right? And that's what we need to teach our children, is to teach them that America is about freedom, and that freedom gives you access to the information that is necessary to get you to your destination. Freedom is beautiful, but what people don't understand, it comes at the cost of responsibility. Exactly. So you are free to do whatever you want, and you can achieve stuff, but only if you're responsible. Uh, there is a joke in Italy. In America, they even let you tax. They even tax you on air. <laughs> yes, you gotta pay. Not tax. You even have to pay for the air you breathe. Yeah, you pay everything. You're responsible for everything, but you're free to do whatever you want. So I'm free to go to the mechanic, but I like to work on cars. I work on my car. I'm free to delegate my work to a contractor all the time, but I like to get my hands dirty. So yeah, I do, why? I do exactly. I am free to delegate to an um, accountant, uh, but you know what? Uh, I like to learn. I have another hour. Let me learn it. Let me read the tax code. So I know I could delegate everything, but first of all, I have time because we all have time. If you say I don't have time, I want to smash them in the face because uh, <laughs> just throw your phone away and you have an extra four hours a day. And that's true. Um, it's all about how you use it. It's all about how you use it. You have the freedom to use it the way you want. So you choose to spend it on bullshit. Then you will have the responsibility to pay for what you didn't do because you wasted time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. Okay. So let's talk about you know some of the things that are going on in the country. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit into the realm of... Um, I wouldn't say politics in general, but more like a political thought. Um, Go for it. So um, right now, one of the things that is happening is what we're seeing around our southern border, right? We're seeing mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of people streaming across our border. And as immigrants, I understand the allure of wanting to come to America, right? I understand the reason why people want to come here. Because yes, there are opportunities here. They believe that they can make something better of their lives than what they have over there. And I don't fault them for that. But there is something that is, I think, um, bothersome 
about people choosing the very first thing they do in this country, you know, to come here illegally. And as a as an immigrant, it is a little bit offensive to me that we have created this magnet and we are basically right now treating people who come here illegally better in some cases than the homeless people who are struggling with various things in America, people who are you know struggling because of the inflation and the economy and so on and so forth. And so from your perspective as an immigrant, you know, first, what do you think about some of the things that are happening in terms of um, the immigration system here? I will give you the Italian perspective. Italy is, uh, it's, um, Italy is the forefront of immigration of Europe. Uh, Europeans tell us to let the immigrants in, but then uh, they messed up our system because we are the front line. So we get all of them and we don't get all of them out to the other countries. Okay. And we have to suffer the burden of it. Most, a lot of it is in control. We have the boats. I mean, I don't know if you know, but we have plenty of boats, the ONGs that bring the people to Italy and then dispersing them across Europe. And um, whether you like it or not, uh, uh, it is bringing a couple of issues. Uh, we are filling up uh, buildings with people, uh, taking away business from other people, taking away space that could be used for other stuff. So, yeah, treating immigrants with money paid off Italians. Uh, to, to sustain this thing. And the same thing is happening in America. Now, of course, America is much, much more appealing from an immigration perspective. If you want to move to a country, yeah, America is the way to go. Uh, America was also built on immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, the Italians, uh, I'll be very, a little bit arrogant here. We were the people that built the skyscrapers and mined uh, all the energy that Americans needed. We were the miners. Um, and um, so America was built on immigration, and that is very important. Uh, it has to be controlled. So, uh, I'm okay with you coming in. Uh, I just need to know who you are, what your intentions are. I will tell you this. I'm building now a whole course, uh, not course, guide for Italians on all the systems they have available to come to America legally. And one thing I noticed is that uh, although America is built on immigration, and if you look at some of the best workers of America, especially in the tech industry, a lot of it is uh, outsourced uh, to immigrants. I believe that America needs more immigrants. So what I would rather do is uh, focus on improving the immigration system to allow for more people in. But when people come in, you need to know who is coming in. I'm okay with a wall. If the only way to block people is to build a wall and by the way also the current president that used to say no earlier to the wall now was thinking about building it again which by the way there's that's another thing that i hate uh, hate in this country it's like uh, uh, somebody else did it no we gotta delete everything just acknowledging that the idea is not bad and continuing with it there's nothing wrong with it exactly you need to collaborate it's not that uh, you're on the other side i hate you no the idea is valuable uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, I agree with we need better and a better immigration system, but those that come in, I need to know who it is. I need to know what your intentions are, and I need to know where I can apply you in the workforce, where I need you to work. I can help you out. Just let me figure out what you want, what you want to do, and let me put you in the workforce. 
Because America needs the workforce. I'll tell you that. I do construction. Americans don't want to do construction anymore. It's all uh, immigrants. It is. It is very true. I like what you're saying, and and that is the cover under which a lot of the craziness at the border is happening. Because people keep saying, "Yes, we need immigration. We need legal immigration." Um, however, when people are coming here uncontrolled, then exactly what you're talking about is one: you don't know who they are. We don't know what their intentions are. And it is naive to assume that anybody who is coming to America has good intentions for America. You know, it's it's very naive. And it seems like there are factions in this country that want to remain naive and pretend as if every immigrant streaming across our border are just people who are just like us, who want to, to you know, follow the dream like us. But we know the consequences that happen. We don't understand their backgrounds, whether, you know, they 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 have criminal backgrounds or if you know there will be a burden on the country because of their um you know yeah. their unpreparedness for this and and so i understand as an immigrant that yes this is the place anybody would want to be i would love for you know my siblings who are currently in ghana if they had the opportunity they would love to come here i'd love for them to be able to come here but there is a process. And I think one thing that um, we need to emphasize in America is one of the reasons why America is where it is, is because of the rule of law. Many of us came here because we wanted a system that was stable, that did not have too much in terms of um, cronyism, right, in the legal system. And I've heard things like, hey, if you're trying to get a business license, in some place like Spain or Italy, or in some cases, impossible. it's impossible to do. And and here, I can wake up in the morning, you know, go online and file it, you know, an LLC and have my, you know, tax ID in a few minutes, and immediately I can start operating a business, yep. right? And and those are the structural things that make America move faster in terms of economic development and the creation of wealth. But in order for us to truly get to that point, we need to make sure that the rule of law is maintained. And I just feel that if we if we lose sight of that, then we lose, we become, you know, just like any other corrupt system out there, where it is no longer your merit that allows you to move ahead. It's who you know, you know, in some corner you know, who you are paying under the table and so on and so forth. Just That's Italy. Job, right? Italy. In Italy, to get stuff done, you start the procedure and then you have to pay somebody under the table to actually get it done quicker because they won't do their job if you don't. <laughs> it's That's... the same thing in, in my country as well. Uh, like They have the process, but you can't move anything along until you go behind the process and pay somebody to do the job that they're supposed to be paid for. Yep. It's, it's crazy. Um, and I know, of course, we're not suggesting that America is perfect. There's still corruption oh. here. Um, there's still issues that need to be resolved. And that is why we speak up, right? That is why you and I, that is why we are also trying to speak up to make sure that things don't deteriorate here as well. Okay, so let's move on to... Um, Things around uh, America's vision for the future. So 
one of the things that I believe needs to happen over the next you know decade or so is a rekindling of patriotism in America. Um, there, unfortunately, is a generation of Americans who have lost sight of, you know, the, the, the important role that America plays. And, and the thing that bothers me the most is that if America falls, where do you go? Like, do we go to China to, to follow our dreams? Like, where do you go? And, and, and so in order to maintain that, we need, it's almost imperative on this country to rekindle American patriotism, which I feel is that it's at an all-time low, especially among the youth. So how do you think that we, people like us, or even as a country, how do you think we can begin to rekindle American patriotism? This one's a hard one. Um, patriotism is a mix of uh, the actions done by a country that uh, people should agree with. But unfortunately, I will say this, uh, also partially uh, propaganda. This is very hard to say. Like, if you want patriotism, you need the propaganda, uh, meaning uh, instilling this on a daily basis, whether directly or indirectly. And I know it's something very bad to say, but then you got to back the propaganda with actual facts. So you need a government that makes decisions that are actually for the citizens. And since America represents the forefront of Western society, also for the international, let's say, Western society. has to be a mix of the two, because if you have, uh, let's say, I call it propaganda. It can even be like simply the Pledge of Allegiance at the front of the school with the flag and everything. Okay. If you have that, but it's not backed by good actions of the government, good actions of the people, uh, then uh, you create even a wholly different system where people are confused, which I believe is what is happening now. Because, I mean, you still have the flags everywhere. I believe that from a patriotism perspective, America and the Western society is still the most patriotic. But if you see the action of the governments today, also the back and forth between the two sides, you're like, what the f*** is this? What am I doing here? So it has to be a mix of the two. Yes, uh, instilling sense use is important, but uh, you, you need to have uh, a strong decision maker on top. I, I, I love that. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, talking about the two sides, right? Um, I know propaganda has a little bit of a negative connotation, as you said, but the way I look at it is, I, I will put a positive spin on it, which is, you need good PR, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, propaganda is exactly that. Exactly. <laughs> you need good PR and you need marketing. to that. Exactly. Everything needs to be marketed. And, and so I think <laughs> it is important to market America properly. And one of the things that one of the ways I describe myself is I say, I am a cheerleader for America, right? I recognize you know, propaganda. <laughs> I recognize our shortcomings as a country. I was making propaganda for Lamborghini. Exactly. Exactly. It's marketing. Yes, 
But I love the fact that you said that you can't live on PR. You actually no. have to deliver. You actually have to deliver value to the people you're marketing to. Because otherwise, it doesn't take very long for people to see that your marketing is hollow. And yes. when people see that your marketing is hollow, it actually is worse than people who didn't see any marketing at all, right? It's one thing to say, hey, this is, you know, imagine that you bought your Lamborghini and after you paid all that money for it, you got it and it broke down in, in, in yes. six months, right? Yes. You will hate the company more than if you didn't get any of the marketing, right? Yes. And that's- Kind of like build back better. Exactly. So <laughs> one thing that I, I think is a problem is the fact that we have, I think, um, our country has gotten to a point where the, the voting, the people, the votes that people cast is usually detached from the policies of the people that they're voting for. Because we have made politics so emotional that people are not connecting the fact that if I vote for this person, these are the policies they're going to enact, and these policies are not going to be beneficial. Even though they may sound good, they're not going to be beneficial in the long run. And so what the politicians have done is they have separated their policies, for the most part, from the decision about voting. So you see a lot of people who you say to them, hey, who are you voting for? I will never vote for this side. I will never vote for this side. And then when you remove the sides and you just talk strictly about policy, you find that most of those people are supporting the policy of a one party, for instance, but they would never consider voting for that party because the, the politicians and the media have done such a good job in connecting people emotionally to one side or the other so that facts about policy doesn't matter anymore. So when people go to the vote, they're going to vote for someone emotionally without thinking about the policy involved in that vote. I agree 100%. You're talking to a guy that uh, when in Italy, I voted left, I voted right, I voted center. Because when I was voting, I was looking at the agendas, I was looking at the execution history of the various teams, and by mixing the two, I would realize this has okay policies, but good execution. Good. This has amazing policies, but shit executor. I don't like this. This has okay. This has bad policies, good execution, but I don't like the policies. Fuck this. Let me go with the first one. But people need to detach from the thing of left, right. This bullshit. Look, read. Look at the person. Look at what they say. Look at how much they follow what they say. Um, and then vote based on that. And for example, let's take Trump aside. Aside, let me look. Obama and Biden. Okay, Biden, super agenda, super fantastic. Uh, zero. Obama, he wanted to do the Obamacare. He did it. Whether it wasn't perfect or not, he did it. Like some kind of execution was there. Some kind of negotiation skills also with the right was there, whether you like it or not. So I also look at this, at this execution skills. And between Obama and the, I forgot who, who was the, um, the Republican Bush. guy. 
the not the second one, the second election was in Bush. Oh, Romney? Romney. So between Obama and Romney, uh, I have to say, it, by analyzing, I would have rather gone with Obama. But if I had to observe Biden and Trump, it would have been Trump, especially with the past of Trump in terms of execution of what he said. Does it make sense? Yeah. Um, so the way I... Especially in, in alignment of who I am. Yes. Exactly. The way I analyze this is, um, for me anyway, one of the um, tools that I use to kind of differentiate the sides is that one side appears to me to be um, the way they judge success is based on intentions. So, hey, our intentions are to, to help people. You know, we want to help the poor. We want to help the, the little guy. We want to, you know, take the money from the rich and, and help the poor because our, our intentions are pure. And then I say, but what about the execution of those intentions? Right. How is that changing people's lives? How is that making and, and moving people out of poverty? How is that actually helping the people you want to help? So, for instance, if you come to me and you say, hey, let's increase the minimum wage. Now, that sounds good. You know, that sounds good. Let's move it to, you know, $15, $20. That sounds good. But then I say, has it been tried before? And what happened when it was tried? And then you find when you look at the data that, yes, in the short term, it boosted people's pay. But then in the long term, what happened? There was less employment, right? The, the people at the bottom who don't have a lot of skills, when you increase the minimum wage, you push them out of the economy because they don't have a lot of skills. And nobody's wanting to pay that higher wage for people with no skills. So the teenagers who want to work in the summer, the people who have just barely graduated, those are the people who suffer because you are trying to do something that sounded good, right? And, and so on the other side is what I believe is realism and pragmatism, which is speaking the truth to people and telling people, look, it's going to be hard. You're going to struggle. But if you do work hard and you follow principles that take time, it's like planting a seed and expecting the fruit tomorrow. It's not going to work. No matter how you try, it takes time. You need to water it. You need to remove the weeds. You need to take time and effort to actually achieve something. And it is much easier to sell Santa Claus than it is to sell hard work, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's the challenge that I see is a lot of people selling Santa Claus, we will solve all your problems. We will, we will spend this money and we will... I saw a video yesterday that was exactly a case in point. So in San Francisco, the government spent five years trying to design a new trash can. A new trash can Five years. And after five years, they spent $500,000 trying they make to it create a new trash can. And guess what happened this year? They have abandoned the project of because course. they run out of money. Because it wasn't inclusive cuts. enough. <laughs> can you imagine? Five years. Because it, was, it wasn't insulting <laughs> trash. It is crazy. But Sounds good. Things that sound good, 
but when executed, completely fails, right? So for instance, you hear about what is happening with crime as well, where they said, okay, we don't want to target certain groups of people. And so we're going to increase the amount of stuff you have to steal before we actually put you in jail. And then what happens? Sounds good. But then they implement that policy in 2014 in California, and now you have shoplifting to the point where stores are closing everywhere. Large stores that would normally be profitable are closing because of organized theft, right? So a lot of times people think about, oh, we had good intentions while making this law, but they never come back to judge the results. and. Even when the results are obviously a failure, then they go into the mode of, we've spent all this money, we are already invested, so let's just keep kicking the can down the road, then radically coming back and saying, we need to stop this policy, right? And so when I look at that, that's how I kind of gain my political identity, is that one side does not promise to solve all your problems. And so they sound a little more callous. They sound like, you know, I say when you're growing up and you see your friend and you go to his house and his mom allows him to do everything. Everything. And you feel like, man, Ah. I have it so bad because I can't do this. I can't watch TV. I don't have a TV in my room. I can't do all this. And then you grow up. And life starts. When life starts, uh, who's better off? Exactly. And then you grow up and you see your friend. And you say, oh, I now appreciate my parents. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's a so beautiful, let's, that's a let's, beautiful let's, image. Let's, let's um, wrap up now. Um, so you live, you said you live in uh, Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. Okay, so. I'm close to the swamp. Say it again. I am close to the swamp. <laughs> close to the swamp. <laughs> So, um, Amadeo, one thing you may not know about me is um, I am in technology, uh, and so I am building technologies and and different things all the time. Um, I just barely got into real estate um, last year. So I purchased an investment property, and uh, I'm kind of learning a little bit. So I need to talk to you at some point um, to kind of figure out how to grow my portfolio on that front. Um, as well. So that's that's something that we can share. And and then I also like to give people, you know, if there's anything technology related that you you would like me to look into or help with or something, I am available for that kind of consultation as well. Um, but let's wrap up by by hearing kind of your message, if you were to give a message to the youth of America. You know, what would be your message to them? If you were speaking, I have a 17-year-old son who is going to college next uh, this year, later this year. And if you had a message for American kids who are growing up, what would it be? Life gets easier if you go through it. Uh thinking that you can literally do anything, but like in a toxic way. Like (laughs) if you look at an orthopedic surgeon doing a surgery and say, 
yeah, if I put my my energy into this, I could do this probably in two years. So that will become easy. If you have that mindset, you can do anything. I got into houses knowing nothing, and now I build a portfolio. And as I did that, I did many other things. So if you go in the mindset thinking you can do anything, life will become much easier, extremely easier. I love that. I love that. Um, in all the time that I've been here, people have asked me, what is the difference between your home country and America? And the thing that I kept telling them is, in in my home country, I could dream. In America, I can do. I can do. I can do. <laughs> I can yes. do. It. And I so agree. that's our message to to all of you listeners. Um, thank you so much, Amadeo, for joining us today. I believe this has been a great conversation. Um, and I'm sure people are going to respond very positively to it. And so, Amadeo, tell us a little bit about how people can find you if they want to follow your story and continue to learn from you. Where can they find you? So uh, my TikTok is Yashi underscore project. That's let's say my main platform. I'm now starting to grow my YouTube, which is just Yashi. And uh, I wouldn't put Instagram. I don't know if my book will be published in English. I'm, work- I'm writing a book in Italian with one of the biggest publishers in Italy who found me on TikTok. That's it for now. Okay, we will include for everyone who is wondering how to spell this or or so on, we will include it in the description of the video. So look in the description if you want to find his social media handles so you can follow his journey. And once again, you know, thank you for your support as an audience. Um, I'm really grateful that there are people who listen to this. Um, Just like we've talked about today, you know, two years ago when I started this podcast, you know, I had never done anything like that. And I was scared to look in the camera and just speak. It was it was so uncomfortable for me. And some something kept saying, just put one foot ahead of the other and just keep moving forward. And that's all I did. And it's gotten more comfortable. I've gotten better at it. And I'm, I'm really hoping that we can grow this platform so that we can actually begin to shift the needle in the conversation in America. So please share, like, comment, and come back next week because we'll have something um, for you as well. So thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.